the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Hope you're having a wonderful day. This is... um uh, Al Fadi, and you are listening to Let Us Reason. Thank you for uh, joining us as always. And uh, today uh, we are going to um, do something related to Islamic apologetics. And uh, some of the new series that I started it, or post series, I should say, on Facebook is to take some of the um, uh, traditional common arguments Muslim use. Typically, they they take it like a verse from the Bible, believe it or not, uh, even though they attack the Bible and its credibility. They just take something from the Bible and they turn it around either to use it to, um, uh, for instance, to prove that Muhammad is a prophet um, or the Quran was prophesied or sometimes to refute uh, the deity of Christ and so on and so forth. So this time I'm going to look at a passage uh, from John. And uh, this is uh, John chapter 20, in John chapter 20, and uh, it is verse number 17. So it is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 17. And here is what's going on with that. Uh, The Muslims uh, that use this passage will tell you, read, and see what's going on. Here, uh, basically, um, uh, Mary... Um, came to look for Jesus after, uh, uh, at least to go to his grave, after he was crucified and buried. And obviously, um, uh, when when they went there, uh, they, um, you know, uh, they were met with a surprise. And um, when they saw Jesus, basically, uh, she tried to cling into him. And this is what Jesus said to her in verse 17. He said, Jesus said, do not hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and stay to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Okay. So what is it that the Muslims are trying to tell us here? They say, listen, you know, in verse 17, Jesus clearly distinguished between himself and uh, uh, the God. He says, I go to my God and your God. So how can he be God if he says, I am going to my God? Well, here's the interesting thing, by the way. I actually thank my Muslim friends who usually bring up things like this because it actually end up being backfiring at them uh, simply because uh, they tend not to read things in context. 
and tend to also put themselves in tough places like this one. If you are going to use the Bible, then obviously, rule number one, you agree that the Bible is credible okay, and authentic. That's number one. Therefore, if you use the Bible to come up with an idea, then I'm going to use the Bible to refute you. Number two, if you are willing to use a passage from the Bible, then you left me with no choice, me and other, you know, apologists, basically, and others who are going to refute it, is nothing but to put it in context to show you that the context whether it's the immediate context or that chapter or that entire epistle or even the author himself in all of his writings or the Bible in general, if we put it in context, you have already placed yourself in a tough position because you cannot cherry-pick and say, this verse right here means this, when in fact, without its immediate context, it may appear that it means this, but if you put it in its context, then totally uh, the meaning will change. And here's what I mean by that. Let's start, for instance, with something interesting. The Quran, actually, and the Prophet of Islam denied that God is called the Father. And in doing so, obviously, they also denied that Jesus can be called the Son of God. But if you go and use John 20, 17 you have definitely placed yourself in a real trouble here. Why? Because let's read it again. This is Jesus, so Muslims acknowledge it is Jesus who's talking and says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Okay? Did you catch this? Jesus is saying, I have yet to ascend to the Father. He didn't say, not yet ascend to God. No, to the Father. So right here, my Muslim friend has a problem because you cannot use John 20:17 and ignore the fact that Jesus is calling God the Father because technically speaking, you acknowledge, you acknowledge here that God is called the Father, which flies in the face of what the Quran is teaching anyway and flies in the face of the idea that the Quran denies that God is called the Father and Jesus is called the Son of God. So, Right there, first clause, we have a problem already. And then he proceeded to say, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending, okay? I am ascending to my Father. So here, using this also proves another thing, because the context of this chapter is Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and now rose again, and he's ascending. So you confirm the crucifixion. You confirm the death, you confirm the barrier, and you confirm the resurrection, and also you confirm the ascension simply because the Quran also confirmed the ascension of Christ. So now we have even another problem that we have to wrestle with, okay? And now here is also other things that we can definitely look at. If we look, for instance, at the Quran in chapter 5, verse 18, this is what the Quran says. The Quran is actually mocking the people of the book, mocking the Christians, mocking the Jews for calling God their father. Okay? But yet using John 20, verse 17, you are actually confirming that Jesus is the Son of God because he called God the Father. 
And he distinguished between his relationship with the Father from our relationship with the Father. My Father versus your Father. It makes no sense for Jesus to say this. He could have said, I am ascending to the Father. End of discussion. He did say it already. He says, I have not yet ascended to the Father. And then later distinguished between that the Father, actually, he is my Father and also your Father. Your relationship with him is totally different than my relationship with him. Why? Because I came from heaven and I ascend back to heaven. Are we in heaven right now? No. He ascended to heaven. Therefore, his relationship with the Father is totally different. He came from heaven. He's ascending back to heaven. Our relationship is entirely different than that. So definitely using John 20, 17 is going to be extremely problematic. But let's go back to the Quran, chapter 5, verse 18. This is why Muslims usually deny the fact that God is called our Father. The Quran would say, And the Jews and the Christians say, We are the children of Allah and His loved ones. Say, Why then does He punish you for your sins? In other words, if you are going through trials, if you are taken into exile, if you are being uh, basically imprisoned and killed and so on and so forth for believing in the God of the Bible, if he's really your father, then how come really he is punishing you? You see, Islam always say the punishment comes from God. They're not saying you're punishing account of believing in God. In other words, these trials and persecutions may be allowed by God, and Jesus already prophesied that we will go through that. But no, it's associated with God immediately. He's the one who punished you. It's not like Satan is doing this. And God may be allowing that for our growth or for to the glory of his name. No, it is God in Islam who's the author of evil. So for that reason, they say, well, he cannot be called your father because obviously he's the one who's punishing you. And furthermore, in chapter 9, verse 30 of the Quran, the Quran and Muhammad clearly, clearly stated that calling Jesus the son of God is blasphemy, basically. And it, it's a condemnation and it worth inter- eternal cursing. This is what it says. And the Jews say, Ezra is the son of Allah. And the Christians say, the Messiah is the son of Allah. That is their saying with their mouth. They imitate the sayings of those who disbelieved of old. Allah fights against them. How perverse are they? Okay, so actually some translations say, Allah's curse is upon them. Okay, so... This is the position of the Quran. But when you choose John 20, verse 17, you are actually refuting your own Quran by doing this. Because now you acknowledge that Jesus also is the Son of God. And simply that God is called the Father. So without even getting into, getting into any details to try to even refute this idea, you're already meaning the idea that Jesus cannot be God because he is going to Uh, the Father, you have already placed yourself in a very tough position. So, let's look at some of the dilemmas that will evolve out of this, uh, basically, attempt to use John 2017. So, you have, you know, basically, in other words, Muslims uh, basically uh, are casting a unique dilemma for themselves when they choose John 2017. Why? Because Muslims, when using John 20, 17, acknowledge that God is called the Father. Second, Muslims also acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, since Jesus here is calling him my Father, and made a clear distinction between his relationship with the Father 
versus our relationship with the Father. Then the third problem is that the immediate context of John 20 is very problematic to my Muslim friends. Since one of Christ's own disciples in the same chapter, by the way, makes this astonishing confession. Okay? This is what he says. This is Thomas. But Thomas, one of the twelves called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. That's meaning when they saw Jesus the first time after the resurrection. He wasn't with them. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. Notice, by choosing John 2017, you're already acknowledging that Jesus have resurrected and he is the Lord. Okay? Because you cannot d- discount this verse out of its context anyway. So they're telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hand the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So thank you, Thomas. Even though you are a doubter, you actually detailed the fact that Jesus was crucified and confirmed that Jesus had nail holes basically in his hands and confirmed that Jesus was pierced on the side, just like the gospel says. So thank you, my Muslim friends, for allowing Thomas the doubter actually to refute your doubt. It's amazing. It is really rather ironic that the doubter is the one who's refuting you right now. And then it proceeds to say, after eight days, his disciples, meaning the disciples of Jesus, were again inside, inside a room, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came. The doors have been shut and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, that's amazing. Jesus knew what Thomas was saying, even though he wasn't with them for all of this time, at least after his first appearance. But because he is God, who is omniscient, who is omnipresent, who knows all things, he knew that Thomas was doubting. So he turned to Thomas immediately and said, Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it into me, into my side, basically. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Look what Thomas's answer was. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Wow. Not only Thomas the doubter refutes, my doubting Muslim friends, but he even emphatically confirmed that Jesus is God in the flesh by calling him Lord Yahweh and calling him my God. Wow, that's amazing because after you read this and the next verse, Jesus never refute basically what he says, nor that he rebuked Thomas the doubter. Actually, he commended him for saying this, but he says, you said this because you had a proof. Well, blessed those who believe without seeing. That's people who will believe in Christ after his ascension. Till this day, there are followers of Christ who believe that Jesus was crucified, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, that he resurrected and ascended to heaven. That's what Jesus was referring to. Not only Jesus was actually talking directly to Thomas, but he also prophesies of many that will come after Thomas that will not have the doubt that Thomas had because they will believe without seeing what happened. 
that will be people like myself. And I'm so thankful that the Lord prophesies about people like me that we will have faith in him, that we will have faith in what happened to him because we trust the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord. And thank you, Thomas. And thank you, my Muslim friends, for actually helping us make our job much easier to prove to you that Jesus is God. You see, context is very important. You have to look at the context. Now, we haven't even got a, uh, gotten ourselves out of chapter 20. But here's what's so funny. My Muslim friends tend to think that John actually wrote his letter or epistle or gospel. He wrote it in chapters and verses. Of course not. Just like the Quran wasn't written that way anyway. It was written as a full, basically, gospel, and it was broken into chapters and verses just to help in studies and make it easier, basically, to understand the transitions in the story. Now, if we put, basically, John 20:17 inside the big context of the Gospel of John, the problem even gets amplified. Because the dilemma now gets even bigger for my Muslim friends. Here's what I mean by that. You cannot discount John 20, 17 from John 1, 1. Because in John 1, 1, basically, in John chapter 1, which I will go and read it for you right now, because I want to make sure my Muslim friends see this and hear this for themselves. It is what John 1, 1 says. In the beginning was the word. Any Muslim will tell you Jesus is the Word of God. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? In fact, in the Greek it will say, and uh, the God, uh, and, and God was the Word, basically. God was the Word. In other words, the Word and God are one, basically. Okay? So thank you, my Muslim friends, for confirming that Jesus, who is called the Word of God, is God. So problem Number one now, in the same verse, it proves that the Word existed with God, okay? If God is eternal and God has no beginning and end, then Jesus pre-existed with the Father, basically, and He has no beginning and no end. He has the same qualifications and the same nature as God, okay? Thank you. We're still in John 1, verses 2 to 3. It talks about Jesus who created and made all things, okay? Through him, verse 3 says, all things were made. All, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus is the creator. Thank you. In fact, even the Quran admits that Jesus creates as well. He brought sight to the blind. He also made birds or basically images of birds from clay and breathed life into them. So he is a life giver. Then it's still in chapter 1, verse 18, it's, it's called him the Son. It says that no one have seen the Father. But before that, in verse 14, it confirms that Jesus actually is God in the flesh, incarnate. Why? Because it says the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's why Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. I know it's hard to grasp this, but who can understand God who is incomprehensible, okay? Unfathomable. Who can understand the mind of God or the ways of God or the knowledge of God except God himself? But thank you, 
my Muslim friends, for really confirming all of these things that we've been preaching anyway. But for some reason, you refuse them, and then you turn around and use the exact same thing we've been using to preach from to refute your own argument. In verse 18, John 1, 18, it says, No one has ever, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son. Yet again, confirming Jesus to be the Son of God who existed with the Father and who is the exact image of God, replica, who is full of the glory of God. The, the whole deity was pleased to indwell him, basically, who is himself God, okay, and is closest in closest relationship with the Father and made him known to us. So that's, that's really interesting because so far, um, just using John in context is problematic. You move on now to John chapter 3, verse 16. In John 3, 16, it says that he is the only begotten son, the unique son of God, monogenes, who was given by the Father to save the world. Okay? That's another important thing for us to recognize. And then if you go to John 5, verses 19 to 30, the most powerful declaration by Jesus about his deity when he was speaking to the Pharisees, the religious authorities, telling them clearly about all of the divine prerogatives that were given to him or he possessed. Because if you go, for instance, to verse 19, after he basically healed the paralytic by the, um, uh, the, the uh, basically, uh, the, the, the water, uh, basically, or the, um, when he went uh, to Jerusalem, and uh, was uh, basically by the uh, sheep gate at the pool of Bethesda. That's what I'm trying to uh, talk about here, at the pool of Bethesda, when he approached a paralyzed man and asked him, you know, if he wants to be healed, and uh, then Jesus just spoke and says, get up, basically, and walk. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And he healed him just by his word, technically. When you get to... Verse 19 of that chapter, chapter 5, Jesus gave them this answer. He says, Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son, notice, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. So Jesus is doing exactly what the Father does. Why? Because God is one. Okay? Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So we're confirming, once again, that Jesus is called the Son of God, that God is called the Father. For the Father loved the Son. It's not like love the sons, plural, the Son, the unique Son. Only Jesus is mentioned here in this context. The Father, God, loves the Son, okay, and shows Him all He does. Yes, and He will show Him even greater works than these, because we will see that Jesus will do even more greater things until the end of his ministry, and he empowered us also by the Holy Spirit to do even greater numbers of these things. So that you will be amazed, he says, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the Son gives life. Notice, God is the only one who is life giver. The giver of life is God, and Jesus says the Son will give life. Even the Quran, in a series that we've been going through, me and Sam Shamoon, confirms all of this. Which, by the way, uh, pray that we will be able to continue the series. Uh, there has been some uh, scheduling just uh, issues, as always, and uh, 
Brother Sam uh, definitely sends his regard to all of you, and we will continue this series uh, hopefully as soon as possible. What I'm trying to say here, and my time is almost up, and we will continue talking about this, by the way, in another uh, show. What I'm trying to say is this. Anyone can use any verse and cherry-pick it from the Bible to come up with their own interpretation, but unless you put it in context, you are unable to really fathom the meaning behind all of this. So Eugene... Uh, Using John 20, verse 17, to prove that Jesus is not God, actually backfired not only about this idea, but even against the Islamic own theology. So that's the moral to the story. Again, thank you so much for being with us. As always, you can go and listen to this uh, show and other previous shows on our uh, website, www.sirainternational.com. Sira with a C, C as in Charlie. And you can go to the Let Us Reason, uh, basically, section. You can also go to our YouTube channel, uh, Sierra International, and listen to it also on YouTube. And you can watch uh, many of our other videos in Arabic and in English. So thank you again for your partnership and your support and your prayer. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.